0: This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good one out there. Today it is cold, but happier times ahead, I think. Forecast for next week looks great. Forecast for next month includes baseball. We're going to get to that here pretty soon. Um, baseball lockout is over. Let's talk about what that means, what are some of the things that are in place now, things of that nature. Got to get to the wild. Won a wild no pun intended, game against, uh, against Detroit on Thursday night. Big one for them to get that one, get to two more points in the bank. And I'll talk to Andrew Kramer, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune, um, setting up start of the new league year um, next week in the NFL and just kind of everything that's happened this week, where the Vikings are positioned as we get ready to start that new league year. Got to get under the salary cap. And they really haven't done much yet, so a lot of big moves probably coming for them. Kirk Cousins, obviously the big domino that could fall or might not fall, but whatever happens with him will kind of determine other things that they have to do. So interesting um, pieces in place, things in play there as we uh, as we monitor that. And pause to note that it was exactly two years ago that the NBA shut down um, after I believe it was Rudy Gobert tested positive for covid um and you know it's been two years think about that two years since that initial you know shutdown and everything that has happened since then but first what did i miss you probably didn't miss it um you missed baseball but you probably didn't miss this news that uh, major league baseball has settled its lockout and i think the biggest questions you might have are kind of what what comes next and i think there's some key points to hit on here one Um, sounds like the season will start April 7th, so they're really only going to miss that first week of games, so that means the Twins wouldn't miss that first home series, and they are going to play a full 162, which probably means squeezing in some games, you know, as double headers, or on what were previously scheduled off days, or extending things a little bit, but they are planning to play a full 162 games this season. Um, expanded playoffs. They're going to 12 teams in the playoffs. There had been some debate whether that would go all the way to 14, but the uh, the CBA that was voted on and ratified got to 12 teams, so six in each league that will be playing this year. Um, camps open uh, today. The keeps <laughs> spring training opens today. Mandatory reporting date is Sunday, and spring training games start next Thursday yeah they're, they're going to get this thing cranking up and in the midst of all that free agency is going to be going on the Twins have a ton of work to do in terms of filling out their roster they really hadn't done much and this is just going to be an accelerated beyond accelerated timeline uh, of trying to get them up to speed um, so that will be interesting and also National League will have the designated hitter Universal designated hitter this year in both leagues so kind of makes sense. I've been kind of against the DH for a long time, but at the very least now we're going to see it in both leagues. With more interleague play, it only makes sense that there would be a uniform rule across both leagues. That never really made sense to me, and it's been a long time that they've been playing by different rules. That gets fixed in this collective bargaining agreement also. A couple other notes of interest. Got an email from Brian says, I've been listening to most of your podcasts since you launched them. Thank you, Brian. Says he just got back from Hawaii. Uh, condolences that you're coming back to this weather, although it's supposed to be not much, much nicer next week. Um, says he's super glad to learn that somehow the players in the league got together on a new deal. Said the reason for my email is that with all the various articles I've read late this afternoon, early evening, this was he sent this on Monday. Um, I haven't seen anything written. Um, that, uh, I haven't seen anything written that talks about the status of the incredibly goofy recent rules for extra inning games, putting the runner on second, nor have I seen anything about the equally odd seven inning double header slates. Just thought I'd reach out to you to see if you could help answer those. Thanks. Or as they say here on the islands, mahalo. Yes. I haven't seen it much anywhere, but Jesse Rogers from ESPN did tweet that, um, we're back to nine inning double headers and we are back to regular rules in extra innings which means no runner on second uh, to start the extra inning so that was pa- apparently both of those were experiments maybe caused by COVID and that both of those are going by the wayside for 2022 now I'm it's curious because I haven't seen this anywhere else aside from those Jesse Rogers tweets and a lot of other places have aggregated those but that's the only place I've seen it reported so I'm gonna hold off on saying that's definitive at this point, but that is what I have read um, from that source. So, uh, Brian, hope that answers your question, and that's good news to me because I hated both of those rules. Um, you know, the 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 seven inning double headers, you know, whatever that didn't come into play that much. The the goofy extra inning rule though, just it, it's bothered me. It was, just, it was pretend baseball. It's like a ghost runner. I, I didn't like it. Maybe it sped up the game a little bit, but there's other ways to speed up the game that are much more functional than things that only impact a small number of games and impact them in a very strange way. So big picture is baseball is back. Spring training going to start very soon. Um, And so if you're looking forward to that, get ready because it's going to be a frenzy over the next few weeks as teams scramble to fill out their rosters, scramble to get ready for the season that's going to begin in what 28 days 27 days on April 7th looks like the twins then will open at home if everything is same with the schedule and uh, we will go from there but good news if you've been missing baseball good news for the league and we'll see what the collateral damage is from everything that has happened over the last few months
1: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards.
0: Follow the lights
1: to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day.
0: I would like to welcome Andrew Kramer back onto Daily Delivery. He's been on a lot, as you by probably long-time listeners would know. He's been on plenty, talking film review a lot during the year and he's been on a couple times lately talking Vikings as well and Andrew we're uh, we're getting down to it new league year is only a few days away early next week and already uh, this week there's been plenty of NFL news if you start with the Aaron Rodgers uh, staying in Green Bay and um, Russell Wilson obviously traded from Seattle to Denver and then the Carson Wentz trade I thought was interesting too going from uh indianapolis to washington all three of those feel like they had some connection to the vikings at least and maybe will influence some of the decisions they are making well maybe we can start andrew with what did you you know as you sat back and watched some of the things that were happening this past week with the quarterbacks what what comes to mind as you think about the moves themselves and the and how they relate to the vikings
1: Yeah, just a typical Tuesday, Wednesday, right? For (laughs) for the NFL in March.
0: (laughs) I did think it was a little premature people at the combine
1: were saying, boy, this is a dud of a quarterback kind of market. I think people were expecting things to happen quicker. And I always thought, you know, these things can happen just so quickly. And who knows what you were working on uh, and what kind of can set off this chain of events. And the Packers keeping Aaron Rodgers is immediately what set off uh, the Seahawks dealing Russell Wilson to Denver, them realizing Russell Wilson is going to be our answer And then, of course, Washington settling on their quarterback option in Carson Wentz. I think it's unfortunate for the Vikings and anybody who uh, wants them to move on from Kirk Cousins that Washington was clearly the most desperate suitor this year. And that can change, obviously. It can change with whether Carolina starts feeling the heat more, whether Indianapolis all of a sudden becomes interested in thinking, hey, maybe this guy and Kirk is our best option. Um, I think, though, how it related to the Vikings is it shows that we just never know what kind of deals are working on behind the scenes, what kind of talks, what kind of groundwork has been laid and how these things can come together so quickly um, when it seems to be dragging on like that. And with the Vikings and Kirk um, I'm very interested to see how those dominoes set off what could be other teams wanting to jump into this market. Deshaun Watson has a a landmark um, date coming up on Friday, whether or not they're going to press criminal charges or pursue those in his case. And reportedly around the league, that might set off some teams willing to jump on him if it's only going to be civil charges against him potentially brought. So these things are going to happen and start picking up quickly. And I think with the Vikings, they could very much be involved because they need the cap space. And we have yet to see them make a single move to address that, which to me says they're very much open to multiple ways of clearing it And what bigger way than Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about that. And maybe I want to circle back on that here in In just a minute, I would I wanted to get your thoughts in particular on the, the the Wentz trade because you're right in Washington. Kirk Cousins wasn't going to go to Washington. He's already been there. That's not like they they weren't going to trade for Kirk Cousins. They had a chance to keep Kirk Cousins four years ago, and they said no thanks. However, is interesting that I think I read the ESPN story that I read after Schefter reported the trade said that since 2018, start the start of the 2018 season, Washington has had the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Basically, their total QBR is dead last, and their touchdown passes are dead last since then. So it does show you like what you miss when you don't have at least a capable, steady quarterback. So there, there is a little bit of, kind of cautionary tale there if, if you are ready to move on from Kirk Cousins, um, which I am. However, I do feel like they're in this kind of sweet spot where it makes sense, and there's going to be a market for it. But I, I want to get your thoughts on the Wentz trade from the perspective of what what uh, what Washington was was willing to give up for Carson Wentz, and what's what amounts to he's really only got one year of functional contract left. He's got a couple of what looked like you know void years or kind of dead years after the 2022 season. So his his cap number in 2022 is not too dissimilar from what. Kirk Cousins number would be for a trading team, like 35 million versus 29 million. He's younger, uh, but he's been injury prone. He hasn't been terribly effective in, you know, he's been inconsistent at least. And that's part of the reason why Indianapolis moved on from him to get, you know, two thirds, one of those thirds could become a second. What did you think about the, the value that, you know, the relative value in that trade?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to note that Kirk Cousins is obviously better than Carson Wentz. I think the league realizes that, but I also think the league realizes what Kirk is. And I, I think of Mike Sando every year, former ESPN guy does the uh, quarterback tiers where he pulls like 50 guys around the league personnel executives, that rank all the quarterbacks, put them all in order for me and I'll put a composite ranking together. And every year Kirk is right in the middle. And I pulled up last year's cause I was curious just to see what the most recent thought was when it comes to that poll And 43 of the 50 people put Kirk in tier three. I think Carson Wentz is probably tier four, tier five. He's below that. He still needs to show that he can be that guy that he was in Philadelphia. When people were talking MVP for him, he just hasn't been since then. He's been too reckless, too injury prone fumbles the ball more than anybody. Um, But with Kirk, we know what he is. And I think the league knows what he is. And and that's the thing where he might hold more value with the Vikings and especially at that contract. And so when you ask me about what Carson got, it makes me think of what is another team going to be willing to give up for Kirk? If they know that about him, if, if I think the Colts, for instance, could be a team that'd be willing to give up, what about a second? Or if you're Carolina and you're that desperate, would they be willing to give up a future first? If you pair it with somebody else, Kirk and, One of these other stars, maybe they might want to move on from the Vikings that is. So I think that's all relative on what you could get for him. It just needs to be a suitor who thinks that a tier three or maybe tier two guy is enough to get them to where they want to go. And Washington was doing that out of pure desperation. And I think their situation is so unique that to compare it to what you might get for Kirk might be a little bit of fool's gold because that's, that was a lot for Carson Wentz. I don't know if you were going to find another team that was willing to do that, and clearly the Colts got a lot out of Washington because Washington was desperate, they were publicly desperate for an answer. And Indianapolis is saying, Well, if this is your guy, we're not just gonna hand him over. And I don't know if anybody wants Kirk that badly. And you look at the other people out there, I mentioned Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo is on a basically one-year 25 and a half million dollar deal. How different is Kirk and Jimmy G if we're talking 12, 13 million dollars. And that can be spent elsewhere on your roster. So I just think they're competing with some forces that, that I don't think people realize when it's just, Oh, trade Kirk and maybe get a two for him. It's going to be a team that's going to want to need him and think that he can be that missing piece. But Kirk was also just that missing piece four years ago for a franchise that just fired everybody in part because he couldn't take them to where they wanted to go.
0: Yeah. Those are all good points. Um, Indianapolis is interesting. Like you say, just because they've, got a lot of cap space now and they've clearly got a quarterback need and they you know they should have been a playoff team last season if not for what losing to the Jaguars on the final game of the season when Carson Wentz was awful in that game that was a big reason they not the only reason but a big reason they lost that game probably part of what sealed his fate in Indianapolis and you're right if someone like um, Deshaun Watson is available if they're willing to kind of deal with whatever comes with Deshaun Watson in a trade that probably makes more sense. Cause they've got the cap space. He's clearly more of a, a home run than Kirk cousins, but there's en- I feel like there's still enough teams out there that could talk themselves into, if we get this guy, we could win 10 or 11 games next season and that's better than nothing.
1: Yeah, I do. I have I kind of was going through what teams still need them need quarterbacks. And obviously it's a lot of them, but ones that are in situations where they need to win or or Carolina, I think Indianapolis might be feeling that as well. Um, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, not really, you're probably not on the hot seat there. Do you want to force that right now? New Orleans, new coach, Dennis Allen, guy who's been there a while, defensive guy. That one's really interesting to me as well. And then Seattle, who knows what Pete Carroll and John Schneider are thinking. And John Schneider, if you look at his track record and look at where Seattle is right now, I don't know if they've got a whole lot of time either. So I think it's interesting that there, there could be some teams that are more desperate uh, than we're thinking that might be able to kind of make that call and, and make that move.
0: Yeah. Cleveland is on my kind of radar, too, just because of the Stefanski connection. if they think Baker Mayfield isn't the answer, but we'll we will see um, to be continued. I, I did think there was a lot for Carson Wentz. I don't know if you can. To me, it established a baseline market for me though. It's that it established to me that even though I think Carson Wentz Carson Wentz has a higher ceiling than Kirk Cousins, he certainly has a much lower floor. So that kind of puts Kirk in that area of where, you know what you're getting. Um, It's not maybe it's not tier one play in in its purest, best form. It's probably tier two play, which can be pretty good. Um, And and what does that get you? So, So to me, the Carson Wentz trade set a market for, I don't think the Vikings should accept anything less than a, like a second and a third or two thirds, but, I don't know if that's the market for Kirk Cousins or not, and and how desperate the Vikings are for return versus just getting out from underneath that contract.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I agree with you on on you definitely should not get any less than what they got for Washington's uh, for Carson Wentz. That is um, from Washington, because he's definitely Kirk is seven million, six million better than Carson Wentz. If you're just doing it based on their current contracts. Um, and I always thought the baseline should be something like a two for them. You know, I, I people throwing around a one, that's going to be far-fetched, I think. Unless you're, we've talked about it, unless you're kind of taking on more of that money to help it, help kind of make it palatable for another team.
0: That is not the only decision they have to make, although it is the, it's not, it's not the easiest one, but it's the simplest way to clear cap space if they were able to do something in terms of a Kirk Cousins trade. But they've got, you know, new league year starts in just a few days. They still are way over the cap here, a lot of different ways they can get under the cap. Um, maybe we can talk about that a little bit before we actually talk about things they might add to this roster because so it's not a playoff team last year. They certainly need to add pieces if they're going to be competitive next year too, unless they just plan on Kevin O'Connell working his magic and this new staff getting more out of what they had before. So what are some, we've talked through this before, but you know, nothing's happened yet. So maybe to refresh our memory, like what is, you know, what are some of the other ways they can clear this space that that would make sense and still leave them in a position to potentially compete in 2022?
1: Yeah, I think ideally they would like to trade away some of these contracts, if possible, Uh, restructuring as well, whether it's uh, Adam Thielen is the one that jumps out to me. $16 million on the cap, I think each of the next three years. That's a lot for a wide receiver who, while he catches 15 touchdowns when you throw them to him, I don't know if he's going to have that value for you year in and year out, especially how this offense is going to run right through Justin Jefferson, um, who's going to be that Cooper cup of, of this offense. Um, I, the defensive tackles are interesting to me. You're paying right now, 11, $12 million for Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, and I think you could clear that much, excuse me. That's how much you could clear by moving on from those guys. You're paying more for them. Do, do they fit what Ed Donatelle is going to be wanting to do here Um, They need a nose tackle. They need some four or five techniques to to play on the outside, which is kind of that farther out than your typical defensive tackle plays. Um, I think they could be shopping for guys who fill those roles. Should they move on from Michael Pierce? Should they move on from Dalvin Tomlinson? And those are contracts you can get out from Um, Dalvin. They could designate, I think, as one of those do the, the little lever where you pull the post June first cut. And then I think you could basically clear by June 1st, an extra $7 million for him. And so there's ways to get out of it. And, and I think that's where a new franchise is coming in and being like, I know you guys just paid for all these guys, but um, do we really need them? Do we re- prioritize run stuffers? Ed Donatel's defense likes to play nickel, likes to play corners, likes to prioritize stopping the deep pass, and then, hey, we'll just try to stop the run with six, seven-man boxes. It's going to look different than it did under Mike Zimmer. And that means the personnel has to look different. So I think the defensive tackles are one way to clear space. Daniel Hunter's the big one. And I I believe Quasey when he had said, we're going to try to work with him to keep him, because this to me is a future Hall of Fame pass rusher when he's healthy. I think the injuries are ones that aren't necessarily ones that you would think are going to re- repeat or happen again. Uh, it's a pectoral injury, and then it's a pinched nerve in the neck um, or a herniated disc, I should say, in the neck. So I, I don't think. It, and he's one of those guys that you have to prioritize because you do not have a lot of pass rush right now. So I wonder if they could rework a contract with him to keep him. If not cutting him also clears a lot of space. You're just then starting from ground zero and really need to rebuild that pass rush. So there are a lot of stars on defense too. Eric Hendricks. I wonder about, because while he's so good and obviously an all pro, he's also been banged up the last couple of years. He's approaching 30. And I think, a franchise that's looking to not necessarily prioritize inside linebacker because three, four, you can't have a Devin white. You can have a guy who's really good and do really well from there. But how big of an impact is that having really in those systems? It's not as much as he had in a four, three. And I understand in nickel, he'll play a bigger role, but I do wonder about him as well. So I listened to a podcast with Harrison Smith, not to do too much of an aside here, but I listened to a podcast that Harrison Smith did a couple of days ago, and he seemed pretty unsure about the future of who he's playing with, who he's playing for. And I think that's reflective of a lot of change possibly coming.
0: Everything is in play as they said, and nothing has really happened yet. So it's going to be a busy, uh, you know, lead up to the new league year. And I'm sure right after the new league year starts with the legal tampering and the actual signing of Free agents, and let's get to that before we before we go. I mean, it's not just getting rid of guys; they've got to add to this roster. And you have been doing a little bit of work already on, you know, who might they go after. What what are some of the areas of need? What kind of player might fit into these new systems they have? What uh, what have you come up with in that regard?
1: Yeah, they need corners, and and I don't think it's going to be Patrick Peterson. Just I, four I think- more. Just four more. I definitely don't think it's going to be Mackenzie Alexander who really struggled in the slot. And under Donatel, they're going to prioritize that slot, whether it's a big safety, whether it's just a strong, tough nickel uh, nickel corner. Uh, Bryce Callahan's a guy who played for the Bears, played for Denver. If you've watched a lot of Vikings-Bears games, he should stick out to you because he's consistently been, when healthy, one of the best slot defenders. He, to me, is a slam dunk fit. I think that'll be one of their first calls next week um, regarding filling that spot. And then outside corner, it's tough. You, you look in the market, there's not a whole lot out there. Um, and the ones that are out there are going to cost a lot of money. And so I just don't think JC Jackson from the Patriots is, is even in their ballpark, let alone universe. Um, the Chiefs, Traverius Ward is another good outside man-to-man corner, but might be too much money. I think you're looking down the line at even guys like the Packers, Kevin King, And I think people are going to flinch at that. And Mike, you just rolled your eyes into oblivion at that. But he had his best season in 2019 under Mike Pettin. And he's also a good, tall, not sometimes good, tall outside man-to-man corner and somebody that could be cheap for them. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him coming to Minnesota. They need edge rushers. They need interior offensive linemen. I could see them signing a starting guard. There are a lot of good starting guards um, out there in this market right now and, and not named Brandon Scherf, who's the all pro who's going to top that market, but you could get guys in the five, six, $7 million range potentially for one or two year deals. Um, I think the 49ers, and Tomlinson, former Detroit lion, he's really ascended. He might be a bit too much money, but two former Rams are available in Brian Allen, who's a good center for them. And Austin Corbett, who was a former Browns draft pick, who's been a good right guard for them. So there are some connections with the coaching staff. There are a lot of players available on the interior O-line. I think you could see them sign a starter at one of these guard spots and then not have to worry about much of it in the draft Um, because I just don't think Kwasi, and you look at their track record in Cleveland, they don't prioritize interior O-line through the draft very often or with big free agent contracts. So with the two tackles set, I think it's going to be some kind of middle-tier veteran contracts on the O-line. And I think that's might how they roll with that moving forward. And then they need interior uh, linebackers as well. It's just Eric Kendricks right now. There's nobody else uh, with any experience next to him. So there's a couple former Broncos available that make sense, guys who have played for Donatel. Um, and, and I wouldn't be shocked to see one of them come either, And Alexander Johnson or Josie Jewell. So I also wonder, because you brought up the interior D line, I also wonder that if they cut Pierce, if they decide to move on from Tomlinson, um, there are two former Bears, Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols, who are available. And the Vikings' new defensive line coach just coached both of them last year. And obviously, Donatel knows those guys from his time in Chicago. So there's a lot of these connections. You just got to follow the dots. And I think we could see a lot of movement uh, soon after the Vikings start making moves on their own roster.
0: You brought up the draft. So maybe I need to ask you about that quickly. I mean, do you have a inkling of, you know, you know, first round pick is, what is it? 12, 14. I mean, I'm forgetting what exactly the, the pick is this year. 12. It's yep. 12. Okay. So I've seen different mocks looking at, you know, maybe a cornerback, maybe an edge rusher. I mean, a lot of those things make sense. I mean, and some of this, I'm sure, you know, a lot of that strategy gets cemented once they're able to see what they're able to do in the primary part of free agency. But, you know, if, if you had a a guess or a preference at this point, what do you think they should, be targeting there.
1: I think they're at a good spot in the draft. Just looking at what other teams around them need to get one of these top corners. And that's why you see it mocked so much, uh, whether it's Trent McDuffie out of Washington, um, Ahmad Gardner out of Cincinnati, and then Stingley out of LSU and Durante Jones, the Vikings uh, new re-signed defensive backs coach. He came back, he was spent last year at LSU. Uh, he just coached Stingley, even though it was only for a month before he, he had a Liz Frank injury, but um, he knows him really well. They also, I think, need size. And Gardner, if he somehow fell to 12, or if they even wanted to trade up for him, uh, he's six foot three, runs a four four, didn't yeah. allow a touchdown in three years, and I, and I think that's a perfect fit for them. So corner, to me, stands out quite a bit because edge rusher. Everybody you talk to in terms of GMs, evaluators, they say this edge rusher edge rusher class is really deep. You can get him in the second round. You can get him in the third round. I do wonder if they would wait to address that, especially if they kept the new Hunter.
0: Good stuff. As always, Andrew, we feel like we've been talking about what might happen for six weeks now. It'll be nice to talk uh, next week and the couple weeks after that on uh, see actually what did happen. But obviously there's going to be a lot of big moves regardless. So they, they they can't, the, the status quo is not, not, A, not getting it done and B, just can't happen because of the salary cap. So something's got to give here and I'm sure you and Ben Gessling and Mark Craig will be writing about it, analyzing it, reporting it on Star Tribune and startribune.com. And we will probably be talking about it on this podcast and on Access Vikings as well.
1: Absolutely. Mike, yeah, it'll be fun watching it because even if it's not the one big move with Kirk, it's going to have to be a bunch of other moves because uh, they, they got to clear the money, as you say. Where's the money? <laughs> Should play the
0: sounder right now. Let's do it. Where's the money, Brzezinski? All right. Thanks, Andrew. We'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, Mike. Good stuff from Andrew, as always. Love catching up with him, and this is going to be a story to watch over the next week, next few days, is what are the Vikings going to do to get under the salary cap? What kind of levers are they going to pull? Will they be big, big moves? Will they be little moves with more to come later? I don't know, but something's got to give because they are over the cap right now, and the new league year is fast approaching. The Wild, my goodness, that game against Detroit had a lot going on. Kind of a good old-fashioned brawl in that game. Even got the goalie into the mix a little bit with Cam Talbot. Maybe some frustration there because he gave up five goals in that game. But the Wild did win 6-5 in a shootout. They came back after being down a couple goals. Then they gave up a late lead. Then they won in a shootout. Um, Yes... (laughs) The Wild now has seven multi-goal comeback wins this year. That's the most in the NHL. A resilient team, a team that plays a lot of these kind of high-scoring games, and that was one of them in this game. Just, you know, just so many things happening in this game. It was kind of a, just kind of all over the map. But they do get those two points they needed. They kind of need, you know, they just kind of need to hang, hang tough here. You know, I don't think they're playing their absolute best right now. But if you can win, you know, win your share first back-to-back wins, uh, first time they've got back-to-back wins in almost a month, Um, You know, showing their resilience, showing their character a little bit in this game, and kind of getting back on track. I don't think they're fully back on track. They need to start stopping some pucks a little bit more consistently. But when you're winning in the midst of not playing your best, that kind of papers over some of those problems, and maybe they're on their way to figuring out some of what was kind of causing this rut. So we will see... But six five over Detroit is is at least a result that they will be happy to take. Let's finish with the cooler. Like I said at the jump, two years today since the NBA shut down. Let's take a moment to just reflect on everything that has happened in sports, everything that has happened in life. You know, various people kind of decided that you know they had moved on to a certain degree from from COVID at different points. Some of us aren't entirely there yet i think i'm getting there a lot faster than i was even just a month ago as we kind of come out of this you know omicron wave but you know for wh- whatever whatever you decided was you know your how how you were going to approach this it affected us all in a certain way it still affects us all right now and it just the, the sheer span of time kind of blows my mind when you have these anniversaries two years how that's affected sports how that's affected all of us Take a minute just to think about that today at some point. Don't think about it too long because if you dwell on it, it can get a little bit depressing. But just think about it and think about maybe the opportunity ahead and not taking anything that we have had in the past and in the future for granted. That will do it for me today. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back at it again on Monday.